Hello and welcome to this latest CN podcast. I'm Anthony Myers. In this episode, I chat with Nicholas Peru, Sustainability Manager at Bungie Nutrient Solutions, who are one of the leading producers and suppliers of speciality plant-based oils, fats and proteins, many of which are used in the confectionery industry. Nicholas talks of the company's sustainability achievements, but first he gives an overview of the company. Take a listen. Bungi is, uh, is really one of the main actors in the agri-food chain industry. So connecting all the farmers with customers on different aspects, on biofuel, feed and food. Uh, we are doing it globally and on different, uh, different commodities and products. Uh, so different crops such as soy, palm oil, uh, as well as coconut, shea. And, and we are also uh, dealing with grains such as uh, wheat, um, barley, and, uh, and, and, and rice as well. So we are really, let's say, really global in those aspects and, and really essential in, in the agri-food sector. Good, thank you. And you've just, the company's just released its 2023 sustainability report, and we can see that you're making significant achieve, achievements in creating a transparent supply chain for those commodities. Um, I just wonder how, how close do you think you are to achieving the company's deforestation-free uh, supply chains target by 2025? Um, do you think that's going to, do, do you think you're going to be there? It's two years away, isn't it? No, that, that, that's correct. Uh, and thanks only for the question, because we were really one of the main company to really push this deforestation pledge by 2025, uh, already a few years ago. And, and we really moved the entire supply chain to move at the right speed to ensure that we'll be fully deforestation-free by 2025. Just to give you maybe a few numbers in order to illustrate where we are as per today. So in the soil, we are at 100% direct traceability, 82% in indirect traceability. So meaning that we are buying already from, from other resellers. Um, and uh, and we are at uh, almost 98% in terms of deforestation and conversion-free already in Brazil as we speak. In terms of palm, we are at 95% traceability to mill and 90% traceability to plantation, meaning that we really push with intelligence, with, uh, with satellite images, and uh, we work with, with other providers to ensure that we are getting at the right speed and we are really confident to, to, to achieve by 2025 this, uh, this entire deforestation free for, for, for this situation. That will be, that is a challenging uh, way, but we are really confident that we, we, we will achieve it on time. Thank you. And I guess as well, you are pretty confident of uh, meeting the new regulations that are going to be uh, announced, that have been announced, that will come into force, I think, at the end of the year for the, from the EU, the European, U, EU uh, the European Union deforestation laws, which are going to basically uh, ban commodities such as palm, shea, coconut, uh, cocoa, uh, from entering the EU if if they cannot be uh, fully fully traceable back back to the farm. Um, so I just wanted to ask your opinion on that. And also in in palm oil in particular, with the, I see a little bit of controversy in the in the sense that the Malaysian government are not quite happy with the law. They they say it discriminates against the farmers. You deal a lot with palm oil. So how how does it affect? The, uh, the the laws affect in in that context of, of farmers and 
and the, the palm oil business in particular, because that's quite close to to the co cocoa sector. Yeah, no, and, and thanks for asking. I think that's the the Europe is uh, has been voting the law, the EUDR, so the the European Deforestation Regulation Law, uh, that will come into force not at the end of this year, but at the end of next year. Just to be really fully clear, so it will be by yeah. the thirty first of December, twenty twenty four. So meaning that uh, it match with our view that to have this uh, this entire company being deforestation free by the 1st of January 2025. So we are fully aligned with the EU de deforestation regulation law. Uh, and to get to the palm stream, uh, we are working and, and the palm maybe just for, for everyone to have uh, the, 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 this view, it's, uh, it's a complex supply chain because you have many different intermediaries. Uh, before it comes to the different uh, processor on the market. So meaning that you have uh, between four and sometimes even uh, even more different intermediaries. So in order to have full traceability on PALM, this is a complex view. And just to, to, to get back to, to this view, we are uh, as per today at 90% um, already uh, traceability to, uh, to plantation for the PALM industries. So meaning that we are really uh, pushing it, pushing it forward. We're working with small holders. You have a lot of different styles of plantation, uh, specifically in, in Malaysia and Indonesia, uh, as you mentioned, the, 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 the country of, uh, of Malaysia. And we're working with small farmers that really see the added value for them to bring this deforestation free in order to still have the outlet of Europe being the main destination market for the palm product. So we're working really hand in hand. It's not something that happened in a day. We have to, uh, to know our entire supply chain in order to move towards intermediaries, towards resellers, towards smallholders, to have the full understanding on the full chain in order to bring together, again, the view of being deforestation free on time as uh, the, 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 the main palm oil product for food uh, is being uh, is being Europe for 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 many uh, many small orders. When we speak about small orders, again for everyone to have it in mind, we are speaking about two hectares or a little bit more. So it has some cost. It has to change, let's say, how we acted in the past. But we are really working again in um, in a complete support with the rest of the supply chain to to make it happen on time. And I understand you work with a company that we know a little bit about here because they work with Coco, uh, Coco companies, Satelligence, uh, the traceability and monitoring um, company. So you use their their software, their data quite a lot here to monitor the farms and check where where there's been any or if there is any evidence of you know farm small farm holders they they will you know sometimes i know in the cocoa sector it's very difficult to find the the boundaries of a farm they can you know they have to expand because of the income so those are the problems in cocoa so you use do you use satelligence quite a lot that their the monitoring system that's totally correct i think just to give you a view on satelligence uh we are working on a bi-weekly basis we receive land use change alerts. So land use change is the key word within the, the entire agri-food industry to make sure that uh, you are not deforesting or even converting one of the peatlands uh, in, in, in trees, no, in, in palm trees in this particular case. So we are having, let's say, an active monitoring on our satellites. We are working and we have more monitored that more than 30 million hectares of land in 2022 
which is, uh, let's say, a, a big part on uh, Southeast Asia, where we have our, our palm tree plantation uh, there. And, and we are uh, having, let's say, this, uh, this really clear and really detailed um, satellite images to assess basically all the different patterns and to be sure that we are uh, getting, let's say, palm oil coming from sustainable um, sustainable uh, stream. So that's how we worked with our partner Satellite Jensen in, in this particular part in Southeast Asia. Okay, thank you for that, Nicholas. Um, uh, just so we'll just stay a little bit on the environment, uh, deforestation, not deforestation, but the uh, kind of um, sustainability uh, side of the business. And again, another, apart from the deforestation, child labor, which you don't have, uh, that's a cocoa thing, but there's also uh, the carbon footprint, isn't it? Decarbon decarbonization. If you could just, um, Tell tell inform listeners about the about Bunga's decarbonisation initiative. You work in a lot of the areas, so the tropical forests, the key areas, the biodiverse uh, uh, regions. So, what what are you doing on on that on that scale? That's a really interesting question. I, I was quite amazed when I moved to uh, to sustainability, in 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 my role because I just realised how big the scope three was compared to uh, to the scope one and two. So again, maybe for for everyone, Scope 3 is the entire value chain. So where we are acting as a company, being upstream with the farmers and being downstream directly with transportation and, and, and working with customers. Uh, just to give you a certain percentage, we are at more than 90% on having our Scope 3 um, and, and having, let's say, uh, Scope 1 and 2 being our operation and the electricity and the energy used by our operation being less than than 10% and, and even more. So basically, where to tackle this carbon footprint of a company? You need to tackle it from different angles. What you can monitor directly, which is really the scope one, and we are working already in our different processing sites. Um, so our processing, we are working and trying to change from coal energy uh, to uh, to more sustainable energy, so to biomass, to uh, to steam cogeneration, in order to lower the carbon footprint on, on those sites, uh, which is an important one that we can monitor. However, and that's where we see the, the the possibilities. What you do next when you're working on your site? That's the first step. Working next is as well working on the electricity we are using. Uh, let's say in every site, so we are working. Uh, with uh, with different electricity company in order to ensure that we get green electricity coming from renewable energy uh, and and afterwards this is scope one and two and then we have on the meantime to work on our scope three which is again more than 90 percent on the carbon footprint of, of the company so working on the scope three means that we need to isolate and we need to see wherever we need to tackle the biggest impact on carbon footprint and what we see is that everything is coming from farmers i would say that the major piece of the carbon footprint is really working with the farmer so we have to change even the way that we worked in the past knowing better our farmers working with them on the type of land that they are using to ensure that we are deforestation free, but I will come even one step further. We need to ensure that we can give lower carbon products to our customers. So ensuring that you are not linked to any deforestation or any conversion during the last 20 years. The last 20 years should be accounted within the product that we are selling towards the agri value chain. So we get even 
beyond being only deforestation or, or, or conversion free. We need to work beyond that part, making sure that the last 20 years were not even linked to, a, to, any, uh, to, to any deforestation view. This is the first point. We are working with certification. We certified uh, from RSPO, uh, our different streams coming from, from, from the palm oil. So with the sustainable palm oil certification, the most known one, we work under mass balance concept or segregated concept uh, uh, for, for, for different customers. And we are working as well with this ACE track that gives backwards the photo on the cutoff dates that happen. So we are working with some customers interested to lower the carbon footprint on the palm oil or on the cocoa that they are buying to ensure that it's not linked to, a, to any deforestation for the last 20 years. It's the kind of solution, complete package that we are selling to, to customers those days. Next step is to identify crop by crop what is the specific carbon profile. And that is totally different. And that's already one of the amazing view in, in this area. You can see that uh, working on sunflower, working on rapeseed in Europe may have a totally different carbon footprint as working in a palm oil coming from Southeast Asia. You have maybe less fertilizer, less synthetic fertilizer, such as nitrogen, potassium, or phosphate. But it has, let's say, it's a perennial crop, so you don't do the crop rotation as you might do even, of course, in Europe. So you have totally different concepts that we need to learn even more locally how to tackle this carbon footprint through regenerative agriculture projects, through uh, through directly making sure that we have the correct in place, working, for instance, as well in Southeast Asia with the mill, where we have the POMI, which is the palm oil mill effluent, which is releasing methane on the, on the lagoons. So we worked with the mill to ensure that we have these covered lagoons, that we capture the methane before it's being released in, in the atmosphere. And, uh, and, and we are even uh, using it through the, the, the biogas uh, used, uh, used by, by, by the different mills. So we're working again in a lot of different aspects from our operations to the supply chain, and by commodities and by and by crop, really on different aspects on how to tackle uh, the, the best carbon footprint on, in every case. Okay, thank you, Nicholas. You were freezing up and buffering a bit, but uh, the audio was good, so I think we'll be fine. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll it'll last out. Uh, we've just got, just got a couple more questions. Um, now the other the other main issue uh, affecting what what Bungie does, of course, is you know you're dealing with all the sustainability issues, the, the new regulations. Um, but I also want to talk a little bit while I have you here about the you know should listeners be worried about food security? Basically, I mean Bungie you know supplies a lot of the key ingredients for you know for the for the food chain, and obviously with with the conflict in Ukraine, drought, trade disruptions, supply chain issues, logistics. And then I also see just this week that maybe soft commodities prices are falling on the market, aren't they? Uh, the El Nino effect and there's a deal between Russia and Ukraine. So what's what's your general take on, you know, where we're at now halfway through the year um, on on the availability and the price of, of these of these uh, of these commodities that you deal in that are crucial to the to the food chain? You're right. Uh, we are working in a crucial sector uh, on crucial ingredients that are key, let's say, for the entire food value chain. So we have a responsibility toward that part. 
my competencies uh, are maybe limited in terms of, of the availability and price. Uh, let's sure. say that are yeah. even more linked to, to, to traders, but I can speak yeah. more about the sustainability uh, linked to, to that part that have uh, specific consequences with drought, with, uh, with, uh, with floodings and, yeah. and, and hurricanes that may have this kind of impact. And, and I think that what we can say is that this company moved toward a risk approach. And I think it's, it's directly answer to, to your question regarding the availability and the price on those commodities. We embedded the full uh, sustainability piece, the climate change, into the risk model of the company. We worked extensively during the last two years with our risk global team in order to make sure that, uh, that those different uh, natural extreme uh, catastrophes are not affecting, let's say, our, our, our business in, in our site. We are, again, a global company sourcing from a lot of different regions. So we are de-risking from this point of view, having already rapeseed uh, being in, in the canola, being in, in Canada, being as well in Central Europe and being as well in, in other countries such as Australia and, and others. Sunflower, uh, as you know, as well, coming from Eastern um, Europe, but we have as well in South America different different areas on, on sunflower. Working and being having the, the, the chance and the opportunity of being a totally global footprint company, we are de-risking the view on this availability on the market due to sustainability catastrophes, and as well as working with price to ensure that we are still delivering Let's say our, our different customers on long term. We what we see is that due to sustainability, we are not viewing only it from the the price and quality. That was the main two criteria that the entire value chain was working under the last years. But we add this new criteria, which is the sustainability of every crop. And basically now we are embedding, and we are coming from commodities to more. Uh, product or more uh, complex products sold directly to our customers. So we see this move. We see that it's moving. We are de-risking it from a global aspect in the company and making sure that we, we, we in all cases, we will answer, let's say, the, 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 the aspects on the availability for all different customers. So I do not foresee in short term or mid term any food security issues uh, in this regard. Okay, thank you, Nicholas. So we're, we, we'll just wrap up um, with one final question that I've just thought of. Maybe it might be in your remit, maybe not. Uh, consumer trends, so we, we hear a lot of it in confectionery, clean label, vegan, free from. Um, do, do, do these affect you? Do your clients, customers are, re are requesting more of that? Or is that not something that you would get involved in uh, as a, as a agri-business? No, we are. We are deeply involved in, in all these different aspects. And, and that's a great question because we started again to, uh, we were more a commodities trader company uh, working really on, on flows. The, the integration of Lodge Roadland that we had a few years ago gave us now a fully integrated views towards the supply chain. So from really from the farmers towards complex product being B2C or, or B2B food product. Um, we're developing a plant-based uh, business uh, on, on lipids and proteins uh, because we see interest of our, of our different customers. We have pure player in this field as well as, as main CPGs developing this, um, this piece of the business. So we're really supporting them 
as we are dealing already with with a lot of different um, different crop and and, and products. Uh, maybe as well to answer a question, not only from a plant-based and vegan aspect, we, we have this labeling, we have the eco score like that was uh, in France and was was released in in the first of January 2021. They are moving with the current regulation to have it mandatory by early 2024. And we are deeply involved because we need we see that our customers is already taking reformulation on some product to ensure they are on the green side of this eco score. So for everyone, the, the eco score is a similar as the nutri score that you see already on a lot of different uh, packaging, uh, having a ranking from A, B, C, D, and E. E being the lowest and A being the, the most green product. It's not only, and this is where it's super interesting. We see that it's moving really from the carbon towards a more complex overview on all the sustainability uh, environmental impacts, such as water, such as uh, eutrophication, uh, ionization, pollutants, and, and, and so forth. So, and biodiversity is as well one of the main components being entered through the EcoScore like in France. So, what we see is that all the different companies in the food sector is already taking a view on all their products and how they can improve their product based on all the key ingredients. So we are really working hand in hand more and more on a proactive way with all our different customers to ensure that they will be on the, on the greener side when this uh, the, the, this ranking on the label will be uh, will be uh, say, or voluntary or, or mandatory coming in Europe. Absolutely, and for that, so you can see how all these elements um, create what you know the one final goal: the sustainability, the decarbonisation, the kind of the, the supply chain, the food security. It's it's all there. It's all it's something that you Bungie as a company has to think about constantly doesn't it and keep changing with with trends with the times with the political situation with the uh, the environment so and it seems it's been a fascinating uh, conversation it's, it's been great to get a deeper understanding of what companies like Bungay do and how crucial they are to the uh, to the food supply chain and and what they are doing in their part for their you know for the planet and their own sustainability uh, uh mission so it's great it all fits in quite well with the wider picture so nicholas i thank you very much for your time and giving us those insights and we look forward to speaking to you again maybe you know in another year we'll see when the your next sustainability report comes out you'll be closer to your 2025 target so we'll we could have a have a catch up um then if you, if you wish but thank you so much for your time Thanks a lot, Tony, for, 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 for the opportunity. And, and again, I think that we are uh, really at, at the critical moment uh, for the entire uh, food, uh, food industry. And, and we are doing our, really our best to make sure that uh, we'll deliver on food security, on decarbonization, and being one of the main actors to decarbonize the, the entire food supply chain. So important role to play indeed.